We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. I'm going to talk to you about um, another thing we've been mulling over. I'm going to come back to the topic of serving, but it is, I will also be talking about sacrifice. Um, and uh, we'll see what God, I think you'll find there are certain connections between the two things that God's given us. The first thing I wanted to say about serving is that it's a really obvious thing, but that God doesn't actually need our help. Did you know that? Any more than he needs my money in the offering. He's the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? He, can, he can provide whatever he needs in whatever place he needs. But if we are going to know his blessing in our lives, sacrifice is part of that. It's the, it's the route that he's chosen to bless us through. You guys are already a fantastically giving and serving church. And we're, we're, we're so blessed. When we look around, and I, when I look around, and I see different ones of you, and I know the way that you lay down your life, whether it's in... Uh, we can't even see the children's workers because they're all out there. Well, half of them are out there. Uh, you know, or it's the youth workers those that have been praying for us faithfully, the different ways that people give and other ways of serving, the set-up teams and so on. So we know that there is a heart to serve just as there's a heart to give. So why has God brought us to this point to talk about serving? Because surely that's, a, that's something that we know. Okay, well... There's a few things I I feel that God's given me that I want to just share. Firstly, Luke 15 uh, is the story of the lost son or the forgiving father. And in Luke 15, verse 25, we pick up the story where the the younger son has gone away, done all his stuff, and he's come home. And, uh, And his big brother gets to hear that he's come back. We pick up the story in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And they said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's brought him back, because he has him back safe and sound. Safe and sound. The brother became angry and refused to come in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who's squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. The thing is that doing stuff is not enough. Getting on with what God's given you to do is really important. But you know, we can find ourselves living in the Father's house, getting on with things and feeling like we're slaving. I don't know how I know this. I have no idea, but I've, I've, it, it seems to be what's happened to the older son here. 
So I'll just, I'll just leave it as being, you know, without illustration from personal life. Um, but also, Paul talks about it in Galatians 6. He says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It is possible to start doing things well and to get kind of a bit tired of doing it. There is a deceit of the enemy that sets us up as slaves when we're sons. We can end up feeling that what we're doing is is earning uh, a kind of uh, reputation, a status, uh, a thankfulness from others. We may get thanked by others. I, I hope you do. But if that's our motivation, then we've kind of missed it somewhere. God wants us to love the unlovely. And that doesn't, love is, as we know, not just something that's in here, it it has to come out. So that means that we care for people who don't necessarily want to be cared for. Another sign of when we're kind of getting it wrong is, is, is that thing of feeling that others get a better deal. Which is really interesting that Avril should talk about having a fundamental attitude of gratitude. Because I think that that's the kind of thing that she's talking about. So, guys, one of the things I think is we might be doing all the right stuff, but I think that God might want to adjust us in our heart. Because if we're getting that wrong, then that's that's a, that's a, a real problem. Jesus said, For I have this against you, in Revelation 3, 4, you've abandoned your first love. Therefore, keep in mind how far you've fallen. Repent and perform the deeds you did at first. So, in other words, we don't have to stop serving in order to get right, but there's a, there's a thing about getting our heart right. When I talked about the heart a few weeks ago, we talked about this scripture, and I still think it's absolutely key for us. When we're talking about serving, it doesn't matter what it is that we're doing. We're, we need to be serving as if we're serving the Lord. We're not serving human masters. Now, here's the thing. This does not say when you're working for the Lord in the church. This is something that we do 24-7. Whatever it is we're doing, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. So serving focuses on him. When we're doing whatever it is we're doing, it's about him. And I would encourage you, one of the other ways to get your heart right is to focus on who you serve. Matthew 7:12 says, "In everything then, do unto others as you would do them to, as you would have them do to you. For this then is the essence of the law and the prophets." My um, granddad used to say to me, used to get annoyed when I was helping him in the garden, because I would, uh, I used to do a lot of gardening with my granddad, and we had a good time, but I would kind of get bored halfway through a job. Uh, I was quite small at the time. I remember trying to dig over the vegetable patch, and I managed to dig about this far down, you know, and I said, I've done it, and all the ground looked like it was broken up. But until you actually, once he put his fork in, and he was a little bit heavier and stronger than I was, uh, 
he, he realized I'd only dug the top bit, and he said to me, you know, if it's worth doing a job, it's worth doing it well. Now, that, that's what my granddad said. I don't believe it's in the Bible. Uh, but, but however, says, says Alfred Haley of, of Mays Lane. There you go. That's what he said. Um, but, you know, it did stick with me. And it, sort of, it applies to all sorts of things. It was like, Mum would say, can you clean the bath? And I'd go, all right, and I'd go squirt a bit of cleaner in it and go kind of... And then I realised that actually that isn't really what it's about. Because when I'm cleaning the bath, I'm not cleaning the bath for my mum. I'm actually cleaning the bath for him. And so it was... It was uh, it's, it's about that perspective. If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Paul tells us that because of God's mercy, we're to think of ourselves as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Everything we do is our sacrifice. We no longer need to sacrifice. The blood of bulls and rams was unable to change us, but Jesus has made it possible. But we are now a living sacrifice. It, it's things about sacrifice. It's something you surrender. It has no say in the ceremony. You know, the sheep doesn't say to the priest, cut me here, please. You know, it's, it's something that is, is given over. So when I'm a living sacrifice, I've given myself over to him, holy. It's, it's, a, it's an offering of life, not a sentence of death, I'd say as well. Sometimes it can feel a bit like, but what about me? But actually what God wants is us to step into the things that he has for us. Not to control us, just as Avril said. To actually fulfill us. And if I offer myself holy and pleasing to God, I need to do it holy, or holy, as well as willingly. Completely. Not holding bits back. So here's a couple of stories I want to talk about where others were serving. Um, in John 2, 1 to 9, you can read the story of the wedding in Cana, which is a great story, actually, and many of us will have heard it if we've been to weddings, because it is the wedding uh, that, is, that is in the Gospels. And it's such a fantastic story that they're having such a fantastic time that the wine runs out. Now, I like this idea of the wine running out, because that suggests to me that everyone's been having quite a good time at this party. And Jesus' response is not to kind of say, well, actually, you've all had enough now. But actually, what happens is he gets the servants to fill up some jars. Now, these jars are not the kind of jars that you get drinking water from. These are the ones that you put water in for purification, for washing, in other words. So it's kind of like getting the laundry basket and filling with water, I reckon. That seems to be what it conjures to me. And, and they put the water into, uh, into, into the jars right up to the brim because that's what he says to do. And uh, then they draw out some of the water and they take it to the person in charge of the, th- the feast. And you can imagine that the servant might be a little bit worried about this. I like the cartoon that I've got here and looking a little bit nervous about giving the wine. Uh, as, the, as the Bible says, uh, they knew where the wine had come from. 
which, uh, which I always think is slightly tongue-in-cheek, you know, so they knew where it had come from. And the, the guy in charge of the feast has no idea. Um, but when he tastes it, he says, wow, you've saved the best till last. Now, it seems to me that, that when the wine runs out is a bit of a metaphor for when we're doing something and, and kind of we, we, we kind of get stuck in it and, and we haven't got any more joy in it or we're not getting the, uh, the satisfaction that we used to get. Now, at that point, we need to, and always, we need to be listening to what God is saying. Do whatever he tells you. Mary says to the servants. Listening to God, obeying what he does, what he says, changes what was a dry and finished party into one that was really only just starting. When the strategy fails, I was looking at Luke 5, um, and uh, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and the people were crowding around him, and he goes out in a boat... To, uh, to speak to them, because he can't, he can't uh, he, they're just kind of pressing in. So he goes out onto the water so he can preach to more of them at once. And he uses one of the fishing boats that's been out all night, um, because they're just mending their nets and they've got nothing else to do. And they go out onto the water, uh, and he does his thing, and then he says, um, he says to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a, cash, for, for a catch. Now, of course, Simon, at this stage, he's a fisherman. This is what he does. And Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything yet. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he'd done so, when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats, come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats, so they began to sink. Yes. I have a feeling that at that point they may have wished they hadn't caught quite so many fish. But to me, these, both these stories are interesting because they're people that are in the midst of doing stuff uh, and, and they've kind of got stuck. The fisherman hasn't got any fish, the master of the feast doesn't have any wine. And in both situations, Jesus brings a breakthrough because the person listens and does what he says. We have to suspend our solutions. So if we're in the midst of serving and, and we're kind of, we're getting a bit weary with it, sometimes we have to suspend our solutions and say, look, I know I've kept doing this thing all night and it's not worked. I need to be alert to what has God got for me to do next. When the guys filled the jars with uh, water, uh, he, said, he said, fill them with water. So they filled them, the Bible says, to the brim. Uh, when they put out their nets, uh, they didn't kind of do it half-heartedly, as far as we can tell, because, because they clearly were absolutely teeming with fish when they finished. Now, they could have half-filled the jars, and they'd only got half the wine. But because their heart was right, they, they ended up with more than they could have hoped for. And like the master of the, thief, the feast said, uh, this is the best wine. When we serve in this way, it... It just feels different. It tastes different. And people around us can see that we're doing what God has for us to do. 
So I, I want to encourage you to be alert. As I was thinking about this, I think these events happened while people were kind of getting on with everyday stuff. I know a wedding's not every day, but if you're a master of the feast, then I reckon that's kind of your business. Um, I believe that in our everyday, God is going to give us opportunities to see breakthrough. And I don't know if that's in your prayer life. I don't know if that's in your children's work. I don't know if that's with the youth. I don't know if that's in stewarding and getting to know people and different things that we do, the baking and so on. But I believe that God's going to give us a way through that we'll suddenly discover that these stone jars can be full of the best wine. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance as our way of life. When you get up in the morning, there are good things that God has for you to do. And depending on what stage of life you're at, you may have more or less choice about the shape of those particular things that you know you have to do. Look out for the things that God's going to parachute in that you're not expecting. Because I believe that there's going to be things, ways that you can serve that you've never even thought of. So, here's a problem, or not here's a problem, whenever we we share God's word, we have to kind of think about it and respond. And... um, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what you're going to think. Um, maybe you're just puzzled. Maybe your head hurts like the poor bloke on the screen. Um, I can't figure out which way to turn. But I think that today, God may well be highlighting to you there's an issue about about the the sonship thing, about whether you feel like you're ser- in your serving, you are in the master's house and enjoying his finest food, or whether you are just slaving away. I think there could be an opportunity for him to give you a fresh insight to your area of serving. And there's going to be some stone jars he has for you to get. Or maybe trying the same thing that you've been doing all these years, but actually this time it's going to be different. God wants our lives so he can fulfill them. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask you to search us and know us. To see if there's any unrighteousness in us. And to lead us in your path. Lord, I ask that as you set before us choices today, so you would cause us to just hear your voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, have your way amongst us. We genuinely want you to rule our lives. We want to offer you our souls and bodies as a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Lord, we ask that you would send us out into the world to live and work, to praise, as a praise of your glory. Have your way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.